Amen, amen, amen. Living a life of self-surrender. Living a life of self-surrender. We, we're back in our series uh, going through our series on It's Time to Grow Up. Look at somebody and say, it's time to grow up. 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 And, 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 and in light of that, uh, today as we dive into this passage, this passage is really a, 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 a strong point, another strong point in the book where Paul drives yet home another point to us that helps us to grow in uncharted areas in our life. Uh, it sort of reminds me of when you have kids and other kids come over and kids uh, don't want to share. How many of you ever seen two kids together and they just don't want to share nothing? Matter of fact, you ever seen a kid when they're not even playing with the toy, the other kid get the toy, now they want the toy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it just blows my mind at how that wasn't an attractive. Matter of fact, I've seen my kids grab toys from other kids. Smaller, my, my, smaller, my smaller son grabbed something from a kid he ain't played with in two years. Now it becomes like the hot topic in the crib, you know what I'm saying? But it's funny uh, that when we tell them to share and then they going back and forth with the child and they trying to hold it, he pulled, he pulled, he pulled, and then all of a sudden uh, what, what, he, what he could have shared gets broken. And because what he shared ended up getting broken, uh, he's frustrated and doesn't even get to be able to enjoy what he didn't share. But if he would have shared it, he would have had it, right? So many things in our life is like that where God is calling us to let go of it. And I hold on it. God, 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 listen, when you hold on to something that God wants you to let go of, it's going to get broken. Any, anything in your life that becomes primary to you, it's on the auction block of heaven. Let me, let me just explain something to you. Have God, God's heart and mind, he doesn't like rivals. He, he, he doesn't like any type of rivals. He's a jealous God. He's the only one that gets to be jealous, and his jealousy doesn't look like a psychopath. Okay? Most of us, our jealousy, we look crazy. It's stuff that don't belong to us, but God is the only. He, he has the right to jealousy because he owns everything. And his rightful ownership is based on its usage, which makes his jealousy authentic. Because his jealousy is always about his assignment to what the best use of that thing is when it's given to him versus kept for us. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk back to me. It's okay. But we come to this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 where Paul is challenging God's people with his ideal. You saw in 1 Corinthians 8 where he began telling them uh, about their willingness to live a life that's reflective of the gospel. And so what he does in this passage, he does something a little bit different. What he does is he does something that almost seems crazy. He begins giving his, uh, his example as an apostle in how he surrenders his rights in relation to what he can get that's even good rights. He's telling them to give up their bad rights. But he's going to show them how he has good rights that he gives up that aren't bad rights, but he sees a larger principle of life that's the guiding principle for him to walk in God's biblical principles versus his personal preferences. And, 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 and so we come here to our first point, our first point, uh, if you're going to live a life of self-sacrifice, i got two points today. Number one, if you're going to live a life of self-sacrifice, you must recognize that mature Christians recognize the nature of their freedoms. That's important. In order for you to understand sacrifice, you've got to understand your freedoms. 
Look at what Paul says. He says, am I not free? I like this. Now, this idea of freedom here points to the fact that believers have been, had their will taken out of bondage. Before you knew Christ as Savior, you wasn't free, even though you thought you were. I, okay, let me see if I can make a plan. Um, when, when I, when my, my parents were strict when I was growing up. I mean, my parents were slavery strict, okay? <laughs> Literally, my parents were raised by free slaves, first generation free slaves, and so they were slavery strict. Like, I, all the other kids can run up and down the street, go to the corner store at two, you know what I'm saying? You know, at two years old, they walk into the corner store, snotty nose, getting penny candy. You know what I'm saying? I got to sit on the steps with somebody present, you know. And, you know, kids got to ride their bike all around the block. I get to ride my bike to this alley, to that alley. I can't go past the, the, the light pole, the second light pole from the corner. Y'all don't know. See, y'all don't know nothing about that today. And when the street lights come on, I had to get my little chocolate butt in the house, okay? You know, so some, of, some of us don't know about that. And, 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 so, and, and, and so, but, but, but I, I grew up with this, you know, with this desire. Because I, you know, I used to be mad at my parents. People can go all to King's Dominion, drive to King's Dominion, and I lost y'all. Six Flags, um, you, know, um, you know, I forgot, I'm, you know, boom, I got a transition. Missionary. So, you know, Six Flags. And, and, I mean, they can do all kinds of stuff. My parents used to always have. So when I, when I say when I get to college, I'm going to lose my mizine. I'm going I'm to, I'm just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just do what, I'm going to just overboard my free. But, but, but really, I didn't recognize that they were giving me freedoms. In their parameters, they were giving me freedoms. Right? It, it, but in my thought of parameters, in my lack of parameters, I was actually putting myself in bondage. Oh, somebody going to get that on the way home. Let, let me just tell you something. When you become a believer, parameters isn't bondage. Parameters is freedom. Parameters is showing you your realm of enjoyment. Listen, if you don't have, if you don't have breakwater in your life, you know what I'm saying? If you don't have a line in your life that, you, that, 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 that this is the line I'm not going to cross, you're not free. Because the, 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 the step across that line is where your bondage begins, even though it looks like freedom because you're choosing to be there. But your choice to be there is a choice of bondage, not a choice of freedom. Oh, y'all not going to talk back to me. And so what Paul is trying to help us to recognize is that Christians have freedoms, and he's talking about apostolic freedoms in this context, but he's applying these freedoms um, to believers to really help us to get just, just, just our mind wrapped around what it means to be free. I love one of my favorite verses in the Bible uh, that, that helps me uh, all, all the time. It's Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, for freedom, the purpose clause, Christ has set us free. In other words, for, for, for the purpose of what God describes as freedom. Some of you looking at me funny. What's freedom? Freedom is to enjoy God, enjoy his creation and his people on his terms. Let, let, me, let me say that again. It, for freedom is to enjoy God, enjoy his people, and enjoy his world on his terms. Okay? So your enjoyment when you become a believer is wrapped up on what God likes. So outside of what God likes, it's boring. You got to put that in your mind. It's boring not to enjoy life on God's terms. It, it's, it's, it, and listen, have you ever been outside of the will of God and you've gone past the place of the line and you can't have no peace? You, you ever, uh, hold on, help me today, God. Listen, you ever been somewhere and you, you know, I don't know why I can't have peace. That's because you ain't doing it God's way. And God is so good that he won't let you have peace with your own silly self. Help me today. God, listen, you and I are the silliest people because over and over and over and over again, we see the will of God as bondage. 
And God says, I set you free. See, freedom is not just where you go. It's how you feel while you're there. Yeah. Help me today. Listen, listen, I want to, now, people say Christian life ain't about feelings. Well, it's connected to it as long as it's rooted in the theological principle of the scriptures. Yeah. Feelings follow truth. Truth doesn't follow feelings. You get in trouble if your feelings, you try to pull truth along with your feelings, that's how you get in bondage. But if you pull your feelings along in truth, you'll find enjoyment where you wouldn't have because God is with you in your... And so, 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 so he said, he said, am I free? Paul said, I got some freedoms. I'm about to lay them joints out in a minute, right? So he goes, am I free? He said, am I an apostle? You know, he, he ain't talking about, you know, cat got a little sign up, apostle, you know, situation. You know what I'm saying? It's funny how, I'm just parenthetically Paul, it's funny how apostles in the Bible are different than the ones in our day. These are, I mean, Paul going to put them on blast in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to get there in a few years. Listen, he put them on blast because he said, he said, he said, he said, he said, see y'all, um, he said, see, y'all, y'all like fly apostles. He said, I ain't fly. He said, I ain't fly enough. See, because you see fly based on dudes being super dudes, right? He said, I'm loaded. I get my butt whooped for preaching the gospel. I got marks all on my back. I be shipwrecked. You know, dudes chasing me and jumping me and stoning me, you know. But I bear in my, in my body the marks of the gospel. He said, the marks of a true apostle with true power. I like that. And so, and so he said, he said, am I not an apostle? He said, y'all ain't going, I mean, y'all know I'm an apostle. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a guy that's just coming to pick up an offering and preach a, a whack sermon that's nowhere near the scriptures. I ain't talking about nobody in particular, but to preach some old crazy, uh, you know, to get your loot and run. And you don't know, see, that, see, that's not the apostle. This is a soul-carrying apostle. Okay, I got to keep moving. He said, have I not seen the Lord Jesus? That's one of the marks of an apostle, actually, is that they've seen him, the resurrected Lord Jesus. Okay, and he assigns them to apostleship. Now, that means, but somebody got to affirm it. Because even though Paul wasn't alive, I mean, not alive, but he wasn't in Jesus' earthly ministry, in order for him to be viewed as an apostle, somebody that was connected to Jesus' earthly ministry has to affirm that Jesus Christ resurrected, talk to him. So that's why God blinded him, help me today. Then he went to Annas' house, and Jesus showed Annas in a vision, I got something for the young buck, boom. He gives him freedom of his eyes, boom, he said he's going to be an apostle, boom, he called himself an apostle. The body earned and said he was an apostle. He went like in his basement. I remember one dude on TV tripped me out. He said, yeah, I remember Jesus came to the basement. I was like, he said, yeah, and I was like, he said, yeah, I was like, hey, Jesus, how you doing? Have a seat. Now I'm like, wow, I don't know if I talk to the Lord like that. If I saw the Lord, if I saw the Lord, a brother going to be scratched out, flat out, face slob coming out. I'm a, you know, your eyes, red, bloodshot in nine different languages. I'm going to be speaking in 50 tongues. Listen, if Jesus show up, you, 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 you better hope I come out of the place where he showed up at. But, but these guys can see Jesus and just be like, hey, fix Jesus some coffee. You know, I'm like, wow, what kind of teachings is these, right? But he said, have I not seen the Lord? Right? So haven't I seen him? Then he says something powerful. <coughs> he says something very, very powerful. He says, are not <coughs> you my workmanship in the Lord? That's pastoral language. <coughs> that communicates care for growth. It, it communicates a passion 
to see God's people go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. Let me pause parenthetically here. <clears throat> That's our passion here. <clears throat> our passion here is to see you grow. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk about Our passion is to see you not stay the same. Y'all not going to talk back. It's okay. Um, we, I, 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 I desire, listen, one of the hardest parts of being a leader is wanting more for people than they want for themselves. <laughs> because one of the things a leader is supposed to do is see God's potential in people's lives and to directly or indirectly push them towards him. Help me today, God. <laughs> and so that's, that's why there's check-ins and all types of things that we want to do to serve and help folk to grow so that you can live a fantastic life that's bound freedom. All right? And so Paul, Paul says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? He says, he, he, he says again, he says, uh, are, are, are you not my workmanship in the Lord? And then he goes down a little further. He said, if I'm not an apostle to others, he said, I understand other cats. He says, at least I am to you. He says, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Wow. I love this. The idea of his seal of his apostleship points back to ancient kings and important people, right? It points back to back then they didn't have, you know what I'm saying? They, they, they didn't have the, the thing you lick and close the envelope. Boom. They had tape and all of that. So what they would do is they would, they would write the letter, fold it over, and they would heat wax, pour it onto the fold of the letter. When they poured on the fold of the letter, the signet ring of the leader would be impressioned on there, and it would dry so that people knew that the letter wasn't an official letter from the person who wrote it because an impression of the signet is on the sender's letter. What he's saying when he talks about you are the seal of my apostleship is he says you're an affirmation of my apostleship and my apostleship is an is a affirmation of you. He says if I am not an apostle to you or a shepherd to you, then your faith in Christ isn't real because you came to Christ and grow in Christ through my leadership. Wow. And so, and so this is powerful what Paul is laying out to help them because he got a little chip on his shoulder. You know, when you pour your life into somebody, you got a chip on your shoulder when they act like you ain't never done nothing for them. Oh, don't look back at me. But sometimes as a pastor, it should me out. People, oh, let me come back. Let me come back. Mm. I, can't, I can't go there. This is Epiphany Fellowship. We can't. You know, it's funny. You know, you, know, you know, when you spend time laboring over somebody, whether directly or indirectly, that act like you've never poured a dime into them souls. One of the things as a pastor, I, 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 I hate to use the word pride, but I, I say godly pride. Or I got like Paul talks about 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. He says, uh, he says I betroth you to one husband, even Christ, uh, the, 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 because I want you to be uh, committed to the simplicity of devotion to Christ versus being led away like Eve, led astray. That's, that's, the, that's the heart of a shepherd towards God's people is to see them be all that God, and, and that, that's why we nag you. I nag you and the Holy Ghost clackow you because we love you. I'm going to just say it again because somebody, see, see, I, I, listen, I'm just telling you right now, we got, we got love for you. And want to see each and every white, black, Asian, Haitian, uh, Caribbean, European, Australian, uh, Antarctican, Greenland, everybody. We want to see Christ 
formed in the uniformity and power and strength of your soul. So we're going to labor, we're going to preach, we're going to teach, we're going to inbox, we're going to have a meeting, we're going to jam up, we're going to hug, we're going to love, we're going to come after you. But at the end of the day, whether the church blows up or it stays the same, you're going to be loved. Love. <laughs> and so that's what spiritual nagging is about. Spiritual nagging isn't legalistic policing. <clears throat> it's not legalistic policing. We don't, we don't, one of the things I've grown, I'm going to just for free. One of the things I, I've learned to do as I've grown as a pastor is not micromanage people's spiritual growth. That helps somebody right there. Some folk, you got to tell them and move out the way and let the Holy Ghost work. You can't keep nagging somebody about where they need to grow in their faith. Sometimes you got to pitch the seed, back up, plat out, and see what God's going to do. Anyway, that was for free. I don't know who that was for, but let me keep it moving in Jesus' mighty name. Here we go. Second point, last point. We're going to move through this text. Mature Christians embrace the necessity of surrender. Mature. Somebody say mature. Mature Christians embrace. Somebody say embrace. Embrace the necessity of surrender. Now, Paul going to be talking reckless right now. He's going to start talking reckless because what he's going to start talking reckless is about he, gonna, he gave you his identity, but now he's going to lay out his freedoms. As he lays out these freedoms, he's laying them out not to brag. That's not what he's doing because some people could come off as boasting. That's not what he's doing. He's giving legitimate rights that he has in his apostolic role that he willingly gives up for some weird reason that the text is going to show us. Look at what he says in verse 3 on. He says, he says this is my defense to those who would examine me because people are saying he wasn't real. He wasn't real. He wasn't keeping it 100, right? They used to say that back then too. Verse 4, he says, he says do we not have the right to eat a drink? He said, I can eat a drink. I can have some ribs and carry it on. You know what I'm saying? He said, I can have, you know, some scrapple and stuff, you know. Some of y'all don't even know what that is. Anyway, um, do we not have the right to take along a believing wife? <coughs> he said, don't I have a right? He says, look, look. He says, as do the other apostles, you know, the brother of, of the Lord and Cephas. He said, or is it Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? So he said, I can take a wife. He said, I can, he said, I can eat anything I want. He said, I can eat and drink anything I want. He said, I can connoisseur my situation out, right? He says, he says, he said, then he says, are we the only ones that should refrain from making our living off the gospel? Look at verse 7. <clears throat> Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? <clears throat> Who uh, plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk. So why is he saying this? What happened was, is some bootleg preachers came into Corinth after Paul left. And they began teaching them stuff that Paul didn't teach and demanded that they give money. Now, the Corinthians liked the prosperity gospel, because that's what's going on here. If give to me and the cacao, you blow up. So he's hearing all of this, and they're giving, he's, and he's talking about the fact, I ain't even take no money from you, and you treat me like I, I, I broke your pocketbooks. That's what he's saying, right? He said, I ain't touch your loot, right? That's what he's, he's for. He's like, I ain't touch your money, right? So he goes in verse, uh, what's that, verse 8. He says, he says, do I say these things on human authority? He says, does not the law say the same thing? He says, for it is written. 
in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing. Verse 10, does he not speak entirely for our sake? Look at verse 11. He says, if, he says, if we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim, so he's basically coming against them for saying issues with him when he made major sacrifices to minister to them. Check out what he says in the latter part of verse 12b. He says, nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. It's crazy. So what he began saying is, is he said, y'all souls were more important than our own personal desires being met. In other words, Paul in Acts chapter 18 got a job and was working as a tent maker with Priscilla and Aquila while he was doing missiological work towards them because he knew how the Corinthians were. And because he knew how they were, if he was asking them for money, then they would equate him with the general wisdom preachers of their day. But he said, I am not gonna, I'm not going to stoop to the level of being that for you, even though that's my apostolic right, because my right in this situation will make you not view the gospel as authentic. Okay, let me, let me see if I can make let, let me just tell you some things about myself. I got issues. There's some things that I want. I want to live in Voorhees. Hallelujah. I want a Mike Tyson house. Holyfield house. You know, I want a seven-car garage. I want to be on MTV. Come on there. How y'all doing? Come on in my joint. Man, TV coming out of the joint. Granite, concrete. You know what I'm saying? Basketball in the backyard. Acres out back where I can go cacao on some animals. I mean, there's all kinds of things that I want. Right, right, right. It's all kinds of sizes now. Now, if, now, now, don't say nothing. Don't answer this. But if I drive around the corner, right, with a, with, with, with a, with a in a, you know, a, a Bentley, and I'm not driving. I live four blocks from here, and I'm not driving, and a dude gets out and opens my door for me. You know what I'm saying? I get a, I step out, and you see my shoes first and carrying on like that. You know what I'm saying? I just get out, and I go I get on out of the car, and then I put, you know, dude put my shades on for me, and then I take my, I put my arms up like Sweet Daddy Williams on, uh, on, uh, y'all know about that, on Good Times, and then I go, and then I go like that, and then I pop my collar, then I walk up the steps and carry it on, and I'll be like, hey, y'all doing? What's up, pastor? It's in the house right now, and everybody go, ha, ah. you listen, what does, what the people, people gonna be like, what in the world is happening, right? They're, now, I don't have freedom to do most of that at all, <laughs> but there are freedoms that I've, that my life has been a wrestle of freedoms. Listen, my, my life has been nothing but turmoil between me and God. Let, let me, let, okay, help me today, God. <clears throat> my, my, my life has been filled with being crucified on every stage of the journey. Let me just tell you, when you get crucified, it's ultimately something you prayed not to go into. And listen, let me tell you something. I, I, I've had my share of Gethsemane experiences. I made it in sweat blood when I prayed, but I did have a hard time with it. And there's, there's some places I didn't want to plant, and this is one of them. I ain't want to come around this joint. Hold on, don't look at me funny. I didn't. I didn't want to come to Philly. I ain't want to come here. I wanted to go to, I wanted to go to trees, land, 
acres ministry. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I, you know, you know. I wanted to go to Super Walmart. We, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. You know, that's where I wanted to go. You know, that's where I wanted. But, but, but God, God has a sense of humor. Because God always crucifies you in your preferences. Always. There's some places in your life right now that you don't want to be, but God has you there because you're on assignment. Some of y'all done cried yourself into the, pl- the place where you at right now. You shed some tears to be where you at. And you didn't know that God in the midst of, you thought the pain meant not God's will, but my Bible says the pain means his will. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, Paul, 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 Paul begins saying, I, I didn't give up on centering. That doesn't mean it's not enjoyment because we've equated crucified life, self-sacrifice with a lack of enjoyment. That, that's not what the Bible, it's funny, Jesus bled his way to the cross and it says for the joy set before him. How in the world do you pray not to do something? And then it becomes a joy. Help me today, God. See, see, see you know you know you called when what you didn't want to do becomes what you want to do. Look, 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 look. Paul, Paul, Paul begins to say, he, say, he, say, he, says, he says it powerfully. He said, nevertheless, he said, I endure all things rather than put an obstacle in anybody's way. So I don't want my life to be an obstacle. Because most of our preferences are obstacles. Most of our preferences, and God, and God is calling you and I. <laughs> Outside of the sphere of our preferences, men and women, married and unmarried, and different ethnicities, to live in light of his gospel and not utilize your life as only for you, but, but you cannot, your life is not your own. That's a hard lesson to learn, and it's a lifetime lesson. Because every time God takes you to a place where you thought, okay, this is it. Now, Adam, because you, you, th- you know, we, we think we earn rest. We think we sacrifice enough. Thought, oh, I can't go through nothing else worse than that. I mean, God, I earn because all the hell I just went through, God. I earn a rest of my life to be chill. But the devil is a lot. That's not in the Bible. Listen, do you know that God doesn't owe us anything? <laughs> do you know that God doesn't, God, God, the only thing, God doesn't promise that your life is going to be peaches. All he promises is peace. Y'all missed that. Let me say it over here. Y'all didn't hear me. God don't promise fat life. He promises peace in your life. See, that's why I like the way David said it. David said it in Psalm 4.1. He said, he said, hear me when I cry, oh, he's going through some pain. Thou hast delivered me in my distress. Hold on. Notice the preposition there. He didn't say from. He said in. Oh, my God. The, 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 the preposition there makes a difference. See, when you, when, listen, there's some things that God is going to call you to put on the altar of your life, and you're going to be in distress. 
You're going to feel distress and you're going to feel, but you're in his will because a crucified and surrendered life is what he's after. But he, he may not deliver you from your distress, but he can deliver you while you're yet in it. In other words, you can be in the midst of a storm on your phone with a signal. Tell me this, eating, chilling, stuff, tornado around you like on Wizard of Oz. And you sitting up in the midst of the storm, biting your fingernails, enjoying some talkage with somebody. Why? Because peace with God is better in a tornado than peace without God. See, 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 when you look at life of sacrifice, there's going to be pain. There's going to be struggle. He says, do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share <coughs> in the sacrificial offerings? He says, in the same way the Lord commanded that these who proclaim the gospel should get their living from the gospel. But listen to what he says right here. But I have made no use of these rights. Salah on that. I have rights that I have. Most of us are always, we are a rights-based culture. Well, I mean, everything about our society is built on these are my rights. But in the kingdom, it's so different. Yeah, you had the right to go back after that person. But you may want to surrender your right because sometimes you can do more with your mouth closed than your mouth open. I got to keep moving. I, I, I got to keep moving. He says, he says, he says, nor am I writing these things to secure them. He says, so I'm not playing the game to get some loot. Such, he says, for I would rather die than to have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. He says, for I preach the gospel that gives me no ground for boasting, for it is necessary, it's late, it's a necessity is laid upon me. Woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. See, that's how you know you live a sacrificial life. <clears throat> when you can't help but do what you didn't want to do. Okay, let me, let me see if I can make it plain as I, I land this plane. You know that you walking with the Lord in sacrifice, if this is what you want to do, this is who you want to be with. This is where you want to be. And you go after it hard. And God says, no. And you're in your mind saying, I don't know. Listen, God, I don't even see life outside of this. I don't see life. Can, can, I, just, can I just have this? God says, no, I want you to pass that by for something. And then you'll be crying and brokenhearted and all of that. But then when you know you grow, when you get in the will of God to what he told you to move towards based on what you give up, you find a joy in what you didn't like because God is there. You can, listen, now that I'm in North Philly, you better not say nothing about no North Philly. Okay? I love me some North Philly people. I love me some temple students. I love me some people living in 50 in a house, all that. I love all, I love people that live in a single home. I, I, love, I love single mom. I love, you can't tell me nothing about, because, because now, now being here, my heart is married to it. Sometimes I just walk, sometime in the morning, I mean, I woke, God woke me up early and I went to the gym, came back, and when I came back, I just started walking the neighborhood, just praying, looking at people, looking at broken people, 
broken students, broken people living in the neighborhood, just praying. And I can't believe, I, I, I just can't believe, walking around at 12 at night, I remember when we first moved around, just pray. I mean, now it's interesting. I would have never in my life seen myself here, but now that I know God has me here, my heart is married to this city and to the point where God calls us to start an organization that helps plant people in places that people don't want to go. When you surrender your life to God, your picture of what you want isn't what you want. When you surrender what you want to God, either he, even if he lets you stay there or he takes a detour, he always lets your feelings catch up with his theology. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but Paul is calling God's people, us, today to live a life of self-sacrifice. And what's crazy about this, and this is why I love Piper's theology of hedonism, I love it, Christian hedonism, is God is most, we're most satisfied in God when he is most glorified in us. That's so true. God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied with him. And your situation, your relationship, and your location does not bring satisfaction. And I can tell you today, and tell you today, I'm glad of some of the things I hated that God wanted me to do. Some of the things I hated. And God sent me that direction. And you can't tell me following God doesn't work. I'm done. Father, we thank you.